everybody. This is Issa Cosette, and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed, you didn't know you needed, but we're so glad you're here. And this week, we have a very special guest by the way of Liberia, Miss Adrian Tingba. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Issa. It's been a while that I've been following your journey. I'm like, I love how she makes Liberia look so lavish. I love how she makes it so (laughs) fashionable. I love how she's telling our stories in such a unique way. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I just wanted to bring you on to just highlight you just what you're doing and who you are Mm -hmm. and where you're going on your way. (laughs) Tell the people a little bit about yourself. My name is Adrian Tingba. Um, When I'm writing, I go by Kake. Uh, which is my Liberian name. I do a lot of work, actually, but largely a lot of my work is focused on the Kolobwa dialogues. But when I'm in Liberia, I do a lot of cultural entrepreneurship. I do journalism for Front Page Africa as well as Kolobwa Dialogues. And then I do marketing PR for Business Link. And then Mountain Dew Lodge, which is in Ganta, and then Green Oceans Incorporated which is in Monrovia. <laughs> and then um, I'm starting a fashion brand called Young Girl Lapa Suit. So, but all of it is basically based in, in Liberia. You have so many skills, so many talented, but I'm interested in how did you get into storytelling? Where did that come from? Right. Yeah, so storytelling, I think I was just kind of pushed into it from, from birth, I guess. I believe that when we come into this world, there's a reason we come with a mission and, 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 an assignment so when I was younger I've always kind of been drawn to words English was my easiest subject because words just came easy to me when I needed to communicate something I would write letters to either my boyfriend or my mom my dad like it would always be through letters or something like that you know what I mean so um I started getting into storytelling when I actually came to the U.S. I think that came as a full circle moment. This was in 2005 and I came and I was pretty much alone because my dad was a single dad um, in the States. I would come from school and just be bored. I don't know the place. I don't know anybody. So I started writing my own short stories then. And so that's how that started. I started writing my own short stories from like, I would take inspiration from movies that, um, that I've seen then just try to create my own world and that's how I got lost into different worlds but then when it comes to the blogging bit of it um I realized that I have a lot to say you know and I've always had a lot to say people tell me you talk so much and this and that but I'm like it's because I have a lot to say (laughs) when um when I was in college um a lot of my friends were like oh start a blog start a blog they were more so focused on me starting a fashion blog but I'm like beyond fashion because um, I could do a fashion blog post outfits every now and then, but I want something more than that. Um, you know, my, my passions are more than that, and my, my story is more than just the fashion side of things. So that's how Kologwa Dialogues kind of started because I realized, okay, there's a lot going on in Liberia right now. This was in 2015. I said, this was like early 2015. I said, you know, there's a lot going on in Liberia right now that, you know, I can have a voice. To, to add to it. I wanted to add, I didn't say this, we've been saying colloquial dialogues a lot, but some of your audience may not know what colloquial is. But um, colloquial is the Liberian dialect um, of English. So it's something like Patois to Jamaica or Pidgin English to Nigeria, Ghana. So ours is called colloquial, okay? But so I started and one Sunday morning, I just woke up 
I didn't even have a blog yet, but I just started writing. <laughs> and um, I, I wrote my first blog post. And it was a political post. My parents started getting nervous. Like, you're too young to start getting into this politics business. But, you know, that's what was on my mind at that time, you know. And you know, I don't think you're ever too young to care about the issues that, that you know, you're passionate about. So that's how it started. And it's grown into something, <laughs> something much bigger. It's even growing more. And we're going to talk about that as the conversation goes on. But yeah. yeah, I want to know, like, that's exactly in, in what ways that's because it's like you're embracing that, you know, you have this fashion interest. You're being creative with the word. You have a story to tell, you know, and also yeah. a place of just healing and connection and putting all of, of the things that have been poured into you and being able to give that back out to the world. And so how has, you know, colloquial dialogues, how has it evolved? I used to be at the center of it, right? It was more about me and my journey as a young Liberian woman. So it was about my thoughts. It was about the things I'm, I'm passionate about. And it, it still kind of is, but I was at the center of it. But now it's grown because I'm trying, I'm understanding what the audience responds to. And I realized that, okay, when I talk about cultural traditions or cultural education, the audience connects with that most. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's a need for this. Because for me, I grew up in Liberia, and I not only grew up in Liberia, but I grew up between Monrovia and Nimba. You know, I had that village experience, and I had the city experience. So I get to combine all of it, and I get to know a lot about, you know, the everyday traditional Liberian experience. So um, when I realized I started talking about that and people would be like, oh my gosh, I remember this or I wish I could do that. And it's something simple like maybe like playing Lapa or something like that. So it's a Liberian game and it's playing Lapa, but there are some children who never got to play Lapa, you know? So something simple like that or plaiting your hair in cornrows, not cornrows, but country plaits, which is, um, I guess, French braids. <laughs> Yeah, but country, Liberians will call it country plots. So something as simple as that, people started connecting with it. So I realized that, okay, well, um, it seems that Liberians around the world want to connect with this side of themselves. They want to connect with their culture. They want to connect with their traditions. So I started leaning more towards that with the writings and trying to teach people more about stuff like that. And then I started going to the fashion. I was I was always kind of afraid to not be considered a fashion blog. So I, you know, dabbled into a lot of different things. But then when I started doing the fashion, I realized people were interested in that too. Because um, there's not really a hub where you can go and see so many Liberian fashion influencers, you know, be themselves. And so um, I started doing that as well. And I realized that's, some, that's something that worked. And then I, I was like, okay, well, now that I'm blogging and people are connecting, how can I make some impact? So writing, like I said before, has been something that I'm really passionate about. So I started doing um, a writing workshop in Liberia, teaching people how to write, um, like blogging, teaching them how to do research writing. There's different basic um, skills of writing, how to write an email, for example, you know. So Colloquial Dialogues is growing every day because every day I see a different need and um, I'm excited to keep pushing. And like a couple of days ago, there was somebody who, who messaged us on the blog and said, okay, well, I'm moving to a new house and I need some decorations. Like, is there a business I can, I can find in Liberia that sells masks and like traditional decorative items? And I realized there is in Liberia, but there isn't. 
that will be exporting it. I'm like, well, why, if I'm the cultural medium for education, why can't I also be a cultural medium for, you know, transporting or exporting our, our traditions to the world in different ways, you know? So it's limitless, honestly. Exactly, you <laughs> are. Is limitless. You, you know exactly. Yeah. That is the true market woman in you, you know what I'm saying? Knowing the <laughs> needs of your people and being right. able to get and connect them. I like that cultural medium, yes. You also yeah. mentioned you being able to live in Morovia and also in Nimba County. Can you kind of mm-hmm. tell my listeners that maybe the difference of like village life and city life out there? Yeah, sure. Um, village life and city life in Liberia, I mean, depending on how your family is, it may not be that different, um, but it's just different in the fact that when you're in the village, you are more connected to the culture, you know, like the food you eat. Like for my grandma, she, she's an herbalist. She likes to say that's a big word I'm using on her, <laughs> but she is, you know, she knows any plants that, you know, that she sees, she knows that she knows the medicinal ones. She knows the ones that can be used for food. So that's an herbalist. You know, when I'm with her, I feel like I'm so much more connected to the earth and connected to the traditions, the way she speaks. She only speaks Mano. So she and I have to communicate in Mano. And then the way, you know, people greet each other is different. And the way people even view bodies, like in Monrovia, if I'm walking out and I'm showing too much cleavage, that's like, oh my gosh, why is she dressed like that? But in the village, like, you'll be seeing one woman, she just got her lap out on. <laughs> There's no, she's not wearing a blouse. She's just walking like it's something normal, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yes, there's a cultural shift that happens when you're in the village versus when you're in Monrovia. And that, that's with everything, the foods you eat, the, the way in which um, the traditions are celebrated. Like, my first experience with masquerades, it was in the village. And I got to, that's when I really started getting interested in them and intrigued by them because it was like, okay, women are not allowed to see them. But I'm like, why? What are they doing that women aren't allowed to see? And then they said there are spirits, but I'm like, you're cooking for them and leaving the food out. So how are these spirits eating? You know what I mean? So it's like little things like that. So um, all of those, those experiences is really different from the city. City is just, Monrovia is just another city um, in that you know, the hustle, everybody's trying to make money, trying to do what they got to do. But the village is more calm and relaxing. and You're more in tune and connected with the earth. What are your desires and hopes for Liberian creatives as they continue mm-hmm. to connect, you know, these two, or which is really one lifestyle? Right. My desires for, for Liberian creatives is that, number one, beyond the creative aspect, is that the country gets more appreciation for creative work and that you know creatives can get you know a seat at the table in the conversation surrounding national development right now you know it's more about you know the healthcare workers and the you know the economists and all of those people but i'm like art and creativity has a way to heal a people in liberia more than ever needs healing I believe so. Um, Amen to that because that is literally <laughs> like my dissertation, but using poetry as a healing, mm-hmm. you know, tool because right. we all need this healing. And I feel like I, sure. Liberia has suffered so much and we haven't really right. had the time to heal. And when no, I go back no, asking no. people like about the art or the poets, and they're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, there's not really mm-hmm. like a 
firm base that we can say, wow, here we are, look at what we've done because of all of the constant chaos that has happened. So we need to be able to heal so that we can create this art, right? And anyway, so Mm -hmm. I definitely love that you um, brought out this importance of the healing because we need that. We really do. For sure, for sure. I mean, even when you're moving around Monrovia, there are some countries where, you know, they, you will see art everywhere, you know. But in Liberia, it's, it's really difficult to really come across art. Like just, even if it's paintings or murals or just words, the words you see on walls and stuff are all political. They're all political. A lot of the billboards are political. So if you have a nice wall space that you can use, why not hire an artist? So do something about this and make the place look beautiful rather than putting uh, only dogs peeping here or whatever the case may be. So it's just little things like that. So I, I don't feel like artists um, beyond painters, but poets or musicians or writers or bloggers, fashion people, we don't, we're not really part of the national conversation um, for developments. And I feel like it's a disservice to to the nation but also my desire for artists is that we start thinking outside the box more i feel like librarian artists sometimes we box ourselves into this whole thing about what's expected of an african artist like the types of arts we create like as if if i'm already a painter i I have the skill i can push my creativity beyond just painting a market woman with something on her head or you know that generic african aesthetic i don't have to keep doing that you know liberia has a very unique story like for example the movies with lollywood that's what the liberian movie industry is called lollywood um and just with the name you could we could have been creative with that something that's indigenous to liberia but you see that when you watch some of the movies they're mimicking what the African movie is supposed to look like like what the Nigerian movies have ingrained in our minds for African movies. But I'm like, okay, Liberia's stories are so much more complex than what you're telling. Nigeria was able to tell its story through through Nollywood, but that's not Liberia's story. You know what I mean? So there's there are ways that we can push our creativity more um, and try to just use the uniqueness of Liberia's story to tell to tell that story. Um, so I want artists, Liberian artists, to kind of push their minds more. Um, we already have the skill, we have the passion. So just kind of push our minds more so that our story can be unique. And that's how it's going to connect um, with the world. And this is where the colloquial dialogues comes in, is having a platform and a place, you're creating an opening space for change. And once people, you know, continue to realize, okay, I don't have to keep following these other people. I can do it my right. own way. I will be able to pour and do more of what I want to do versus what I have to do. And I think this exactly. is like very valuable on all of us as artists in our journeys to understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, you always have to find um, the uniqueness of things. Each of us have something different to do. Like we can be doing podcasts. You're doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. But your podcast is gonna be different from my podcast because the stories that we have to tell or the stories that are important to us are different. So we 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 as librarians just have to see that okay, what is important to the librarian story this time, 2020? What do we have to say? You know, in Liberia, it's not that many people who have access, like financial financial access meanwhile there's a lot of talent in the masses that that's being untapped so i mean what i would think that people should do like for example back in the day the the 
the cultural center existed, the Kinderjah cultural center existed where they would source around the country in different counties, different communities and find talented people. Kinderjah cultural center found Afatu Devla um, in a town in Bon County. And mm-hmm. that was something that was really important for her because it launched her career as a singer. Right. But now the cultural center doesn't exist. Um, so there's no, nobody is out there like grooming um, talent. Because what will happen is that they will, they will find the talent and then they will bring them to the cultural center. They will live there. Um, and there, it's like a residency. So if you're a dancer, you're going to be part of the dancers. If you're a singer, you're going to be part of the singer, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something that I felt was very, very important. Um, but then they destroyed the cultural center and sold it to, I don't know if you know about the Kennedy Hotel, but that's, that's the space that became the, the Kennedy Hotel. And okay, this was a time when um, former President Ellen Johnson, Sir Leaf, was trying to push for development and we needed, you know, luxury hotels in Liberia and all that stuff. But there was a lot of land that could have been used. Um, and if it was given out, some uh, another land should have been, or another space should have been provided. So now there's a land, but there's nothing there. And all of these systems that were in place for the cultural center doesn't exist. So you see privilege or somebody that doesn't have access to the other spaces. There's nowhere that they can really go. And what I see also happening is that a lot of Liberians who go back home, they go with like a charity mindset instead of a business mindset. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the children, okay, you can feed them, give them rice for the day, for the month. But then what happens next month? You know, what happens tomorrow? So I, I feel like Liberians should stop looking at Liberia as a charity case and start looking and say, okay, how can I invest? What's missing here? And how can I now fill in this gap? You know, how can I fill in this gap and create entrepreneur opportunities and, and other opportunities so that um, other people can now have access and, and grow with the country? We can't keep looking at the country as, as a charity case, you know. Yes, and that is true, especially like you said, we can't just like, we have to not only just fill the bellies, but we also have to fill this and nourish these minds, you know? Yep, and this yep. is why going back to the workshops that you were giving and teaching this valuable lessons, because some of these people may not be able to go to school on a daily basis, but they can attend no. a workshop and learn a little bit of something. Right. And, and that's why I feel like as a nation, we need true investment mm-hmm. you know a true yeah. and that's like yeah. a, another conversation that i've had with patricia is that unfortunately mm-hmm. liberians never really focus on the value of education you know mm-hmm. and the fact that 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 culture center has just been gone to waste there's so many things to just try to be business but who's about to come over there if the people not doing nothing like yeah you know? and then the people like we librarians have to believe in the country we can't expect foreigners to believe in liberia's investment potential if we don't believe in liberia's investment potential so if we're able to take the risk and, and say, you know, um, I'm going to go there, I'm going to put my money in there. Yeah, there are definitely risks. Seeing my mom go through her entrepreneurial journey, there are a lot of risks uh, um, that you have to undertake. At the end of the day, Liberia has to be developed by Liberians and truly developed, not just as a charity. Like everybody has a foundation and that's not a bad thing, but having all these foundation, it, it kind of perpetuates the begging culture that's in Liberia. Many people, somebody would just give you like common courtesy and they expect you to, to give them money for it. So there's, there's this, like after the war, I believe there's this begging culture that has, that has stopped and people always feel like somebody has to do something for them. And I feel like all these foundations, all these 
um, charities that exist that are doing things for people. It's not really helping us. That 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 begging coach. I mean, it, it is hard because it's not like okay, they only went through a year of war. Like this was years, decades. Yeah, right? fourteen. Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> fourteen like, to be exact. That's a lot. Exactly. So it takes time. Just as much, yeah. and that's and even down with like the whole decolonization pro- like process and like the un- undoing racism process. There were years under this system of oppression. So mm-hmm. if they took 100 years to be oppressed and learn all of these bad traits, it's going to take hundreds of years yeah. as well to unlearn and heal. But we cannot get discouraged of the amount of time. But we have to, one, stay true to what one heals us and, and pushes us forward so that mm-hmm. not only that we feel, like you said, if we can't as Liberians see the beauty in our country and what right. that needs to be done, how else can we invite others, you know? Exactly. And once we, you know, hopefully this a, a new day will come mm-hmm. and, and people like you who are on ground, you know, doing what you're doing mm-hmm. will inspire sure. the younger generations to continue to mm-hmm. have something to be able to say, okay, I can, I learned this one from this person. Let me try it here and do, like you said, if I have a podcast, right. you have a podcast, you have a blog. That doesn't mean that we're going to cut each other's like um, no. audience. We all have <laughs> right valuable on. stories to share and also just right. working together because at the end of the day, we are one, you know, we are one right. and we shouldn't let our divisions experience hold us back, but we should really know at the end of the day, the goal is to move Liberia as a nation forward so let's put everything sure. aside let's try to make sure that there is development that people are mm-hmm. able to have proper education that schools right. should be open you know so that like you said there's no more begging culture but more of this mm-hmm. business mindset this right. notion that we're like picking up by the boot shops and you're able because we mm-hmm. are all strong we are all intelligent we are all creative people right but we haven't had the resources to make sure that we become who we're supposed to become Exactly. And I mean, just to add on that, I feel like Liberia has this stepchild syndrome, I like to call it, um, because for, like we were always trying to live up to America's standard. And I'm like, Liberia is in no way America from the culture to the, the dynamics of the society. So like if we're trying to truly develop ourselves, we should be looking at people, countries like Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone went through similar things that we we went through with the war, but their developmental process is is going on faster than Liberia. You know what I mean? So when you go to um, Sierra Leone, when you look at the policies that they're implementing, even the way they dealt with their post-war um, situations, it's I mean it's much more it feels much more advanced than Liberia. Look at Rwanda. Look at Ghana. You know, there are African success stories that we can look at and say, well, um, what are they doing right? You know, if we keep looking at America, there's a, America has a lot of demons that <laughs> they're not exercising at all. And we are trying to, to inherit those demons. So I, I don't think it really, it really helps us. And I don't think it's gonna, it, it should, it has to take as long as it's taking because it's been 17 years now since um war was war was finished 17 years is a very very long time so i i think that there are more that we could do as a people um and liberians have to do it sometimes you're you're i'm doing some research because i like to just know about liberians that exist in the world and sometimes you find that some people are liberian i'm just like you know what how are we benefiting from this year's success your, your ancestors who are liberian are pushing you up to this level you are right now. You know what I mean? So how 
how are you 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 giving back to their story? How are you saying yes? This is my name. This is my my parents' name. This is where I came from. This is the soil that raised me. How are you pushing that? You know what I mean? So it's it's just it has to be a Liberian thing, and we have to think about it holistically from the foundation and just reboot the whole country. I it needs a total reboot. I don't think we can even start from where we are right now. It it needs a reboot. Because the dynamics of everything, the way we think, the way we react, the way we make decisions, um, it's it's flawed, I, I think. So there there are definitely a lot of, of ways we need to improve that. But we're improving, and especially you having yeah. the colloquial dialogues, especially all of the avenues that you're entering, yeah. it'll be change, you know, because sometimes sure. we have to be the change we seek and people will follow suit. So shout out to you yeah. for staying true Thank and you. finding a passion <laughs> and being open, you know, yeah, to sure. try. Because I know, like you said, there's so many risks that comes in with pursuing your passion mm-hmm. or business, but you just have to have faith sometimes and, yeah. and the faith rest will come. This is a very important part. And I mean, I don't want to sound pessimistic the way I've been trying to, you know, tell the realities of things, but there are the realities. And um, there are people trying, but Liberia has a way of just like sucking out your soul, you know, because you see so many things wrong. You're just like, oh my gosh, I want to do more. I want to do more. But then it's like you're met with so much resistance and no support. You know, a lot of the money people in the country don't share. You know, when you go to other countries, people are investing. People, I mean, but oh my gosh, nobody really invests in anybody. So you're just hustling. As a young woman, when you're going around hustling, a lot of the people with the money are men. And they're just, they're trying to take advantage and exploit situations. So it's, it's a really bad, um, bad stuff. And if you really want to go to Liberia and hustle, I encourage you to do it, but you just have to have a really strong mind and and, and understand that it's not going to be easy, not even a little bit. <laughs> but anything worth having does not come easy, and we need no, to learn that. No. So on our way, we'll get there. I know Easy you have a poem to share with us today. I do. Um, I do. We're going to keep it Liberian here. Powerful um, Liberian uh, uh, storyteller, in, and her name is Patricia Jabel Wesley. And this poem I love very much is called, If You Have Never Been Married. I guess I'm the salt shaker you always wanted. The hot, spicy pepper. The one who can undo the dumb things. The troublemaker you saw in your dream. When I tell you to weigh the water so the fish can swim upstream, know that this is not the farm your father left you, I guess. If you had me in your home, your neighbors would have smelled burning flesh long ago, I guess. When the lapas on fire, it is the owner that's on fire. This is not an art piece you can put up on the wall. I guess I was born upside down. Oh, I mean upright. Isn't everyone supposed to be born upside down? How come each time a child decides to be born standing up, the midwife panics? This is what's wrong with the world. Everything that's wrong is right, and what's right is wrong. I guess my uncle was right. If you have never been married, my baba used to say, you haven't seen anything yet. I love this lady. I think I just I love the wordplay here. And I mean, you can look at marriage in different ways. It doesn't have to be a husband and wife situation. We are married to our dreams. We're married to our passions. 
our country, sometimes our demons. <laughs> so there, there are different things you can be married to. And that's what I really like about the poem because it's not necessarily saying um, marriage between husband and wife, but just a marriage. Yeah. And I also think, I think that line where you were saying, what she says, um, maybe being wrong is right. I think going back to mm-hmm. when we're focusing on what Liberia needs to do and embracing ourselves, maybe what's yeah. wrong of us trying to be so American, that's wrong. But the rightness is us accepting marrying yeah. ourselves and holding ourselves. And exactly. there's so many things exactly. I love her. Oh, I mean, we yes. could sit down and break down each, each line. Exactly. You really could. It, it, it makes you think of different things that she could mean, different things that it, it means to you. So this is something, this is a poem I love if you have never been married. Um, she has other really incredible work that's exploring her own journey. And it's really, really amazing. <laughs> yeah. Adrian, how are you on your way? The way I'm on my way is, is through trust, trust in myself. I trust in my plans and my abilities and my mission, as I said in the beginning of this conversation, that we're all, we all come on this earth, in this world, with a mission, you know. And, you know, a lot of people spend their whole lives not finding what that mission is. But I feel like I was blessed enough and I have enough faith that I was able to find that mission. So I trust that, you know, even if things are not happening according to my plans, or according to the world plan for me, I trust that it's happening the way it should. So trust is a big way that I'm on my way. I, I have patience because of trust. And and I have a vision because because of just in ways to implement that. And I, I mean, I'm growing every day. So I, I hope that the ways that I didn't know today I'm going to know them tomorrow, yes. That is so beautiful. I'm so excited that, you know, what you're doing, I'm so excited that I was able to connect with you. I'm excited. Hopefully one day I'll be able to lead a workshop with you when I come home, yeah, you know? Yeah, sure. I would like that. Tell the people where can they connect with you, your blog, your Instagram, yeah. all that fun stuff. Awesome. Um, the Colloquial Dialogue is where I'm mostly at these days. And you can find us on our website, thecolloquialdialogue.com. You can learn all about Latin culture, from pop culture to food, beauty, to traditional culture, all of that. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest at Kuluqua Dialogues. And then my personal uh, page, w- w- which I want to share, is my Instagram, which is Girl with the Pearls. <laughs> That's my, my personal Instagram. You can find me there. Yeah, everyone, if you want to learn more about Liberian culture, fashion, creative storytelling, anything, follow the Colloquial Dialogues, follow Adrian and her page and her journey. Thank you once right. again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Issa. And good luck with, with this uh, series. I really like it. How are we on our way? That's not something we think about a lot as um, storytellers or entrepreneurs. So I think it's important that you're you know bringing that angle that angle up so thank you for that and thank you for having me it's only god girl because i can't take all the credit (laughs) (laughs) i know that is true that one not true (laughs) all right everybody just continue to trust your mission and your journey wherever that may lead you this is isa's way y'all be blessed (music) 